0: This is the first time. Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodine.
1: All right, up next, we've got Jeremy Schaefer. He's a storyteller, a comedian. He's done You're Being Ridiculous, Story, Story Club, et cetera, so many shows. He tours educational, he does the educational, like, uh, storytelling classes, seminars for students with he, uh, Urban Gateways. He is the co producer of The Side Splitter, which is next door. It's literally next door. The Laugh Out Loud Theater. Guys, give it up, Jeremy Schaefer. Yeah. So my childhood dream of a successful film career in Hollywood was crushed very early on, very early on, by the discovery that Hollywood is already teeming with my exact type in remarkable abundance. After shows, I am regularly approached by audience members to tell me that I look just like a skinny Seth Rogen, uh, a homely Ryan Phillippe, which I've gotten twice, which is exactly two times more than is okay, A fully bearded Morgan Spurlock, who is typically just referred to as that guy from Supersize Me. But what I get more than anything else, without a doubt, is people approaching me after the show to say, Has anybody ever told you that you look kind of like Will Ferrell? Yes, a lot a lot of times, Uh, enough so that I actually appreciate whichever voice out there said, what, really? Because that's awesome, and that makes my day. Uh, Because I actually get that one so often that I once had an improv show that was irretrievably derailed by the audience's insistence on yelling out Will Ferrell for every suggestion. Whether or not that was an appropriate answer to the question, apparently the whole audience finds Will Ferrell in the trunk of their car. (laughs) Myself and all of my scene partners hated this, but my boss loved it. And after the show, he, he ran up to me with these cartoon dollar signs just leaping out of his eyes to say, we could make some serious scratch as a Will Ferrell impersonator. And I was confused, in part because he slipped the word scratch in there as if it's just something that people say (laughs) instead of money. But I was also a little taken aback because he looked nothing like Will Ferrell. And that's when it dawned on me that he was proposing that he would play the pimp to my Will Ferrell-shaped whore. So I told him that I don't do impersonations, because I don't, and I figured that would be the end of it. But then that December, I got the phone call. He'd actually booked a gig for me, playing Will Ferrell, playing the part of Buddy the Elf from the movie Elf, at some rich guy's Christmas party. I immediately reminded him that I don't do impersonations, uh, and he countered by telling me how much this gig would pay and I gratefully accepted this exciting opportunity. <laughs> my dream of Hollywood may be dashed, but for one month, my dream of making a living in the arts would be achieved. <laughs> I found out after I accepted this gig that my fee did not include an elf costume. That was up to me. So I scoured the internet and I eventually found something that was advertised as authentic elf outfit. I still do not know what could possibly be authentic about the imagined fashion trends of a mythical population. But it was only $35 and I had Prime, so I got it. As it turns out, uh, elf fashion is primarily one size fits all very short people with enormous feet. I wore a repurposed jester hat to just Ridiculously large bell covered bags, erroneously labeled as shoes, and a multicolored felt tunic that ended just immediately below my naughty list. <laughs> to cover up my um, long, unelf like legs, I borrowed a pair of green tights, and my elven transformation was completely humiliating. <sighs> But it was the holidays, and I needed the money, so I went to work. My mission was to arrive at this suburban Italian restaurant and wait outside the party room while the host delivered a speech. And when he announced that maybe later Santa will come, I was expected to throw the doors open and squeal with delight, Santa's coming? What? and then I had to run around the room, tell all the guests what good boys and girls they are, guess what they wanted in their stockings, lead everybody in a rousing rendition of Santa Claus's coming to town, and then eat a few sugar packets on my way out the door. 10 minutes or less, just like a whore. (laughs) The email detailing my mission included an attachment that was labeled information about the guests and I assumed this would be just quirky little tidbits to help me make small talk and guess what people wanted on their, on their list, but I was wrong. It was a, a, a spreadsheet that would list everyone's names, followed by their political affiliations and religious beliefs. Yes, the only things I had with which to initiate small talk were the two things that should be avoided during polite conversation. <laughs> And making this list even more useless was its uniformity. After each name, there were the nouns Christian and Republican, followed by alternating usage of the qualifiers very and extremely. (laughs) I had no idea how I was supposed to go up to like, apparently every guest and be like, hey, I hear you're also a very Christian extreme Republican. I figured this list would be useless, but just to be safe, I folded it up and tucked it into the front of my tights because elf clothing has no pockets, and I went to work. I arrived early and waited just outside the door to the party room, which I wish someone had told me was in the middle of the primary dining area. Families either laughed or shielded their children's eyes as I attempt to cover my hindsight with the abbreviated flaps of my tunic. And then one gentleman rather loudly pointed me out to his friends and said, hey, check out this fairy, which as we all know is a very offensive thing to say to an elf. (laughs) And then I heard it, my cue. Maybe later, Santa will come. And I swung the doors open and I entered a room that was completely uninterested in shenanigans. (laughs) There was not a single child in this room. And I'm gonna repeat that for emphasis, not one fucking child. It was all well-dressed and better Botoxed adults sipping champagne, but I didn't let that deter me, I ran in, I, I squealed, I ate some sugar packets, and the crowd moved away from me like the Red Sea from Moses, or more specifically, a room full of conservative adults from a grown man in a little girl's holiday outfit. I sang my song, I clicked my heels, and then I headed for the door. And the host followed me out. I assumed to thank me for trying or to apologize for his uptight guests, But instead, he got right in my face and said, where are you going? And I paused, trying to figure out whether or not I should tell him that my plan was to go to the nearest bar and then drink until I no longer remembered this Christmas party. But he filled my hesitation by saying, I paid for 30 minutes. Now, I was told explicitly 10 minutes or less but because of my lack of pockets, I did not have my phone on me, it was in coat check, so I had no ammunition for an argument, and this man was not the, the image of holiday cheer, and I feared that an unhappy customer might mean that I got no financial cut of this humiliation. So against my better judgment, I agreed, and I re-entered the fray for 20 more minutes of mingling with people who did not want to mingle with me. Most of this consisted of, of women looking down on me and saying, so, really, is this really what you do for a living? And I had a lot of things that I wanted to say, but uh, every single time I replied, no, I'm actually a toy maker. <laughs> and then one man asked me why I referred to myself as Buddy, and I said, you can learn all about me in my biopic, Elf Starring Will Ferrell. And he frowned and said he'd never seen it and didn't think he would because Christmas is about Jesus. Jesus. Not Will Ferrell. A distinction that I'd never thought anyone would feel the need to make. Small talk was getting very difficult when thankfully the host came over and he he pulled me aside and I, I was hoping it was to tell me that my time was up, but instead he just informed me that the band would stop playing as soon as I gave them the cue and that the mic was all set for me and what would you like me to say? And he seemed very frustrated and exasperated when he said, just just do your little stand-up bit. At this point, I should have told him that if he'd hired a stand-up, nobody told me about that. But instead, I thought to myself, well, my Hollywood dream might not be happening, but lucky for him, I am an aspiring stand-up. <laughs> so I agreed, and I walked up to the mic. I singled for the band to stop. I retrieved the list from my tights and scanned it for a secular bipartisan punchline. No dice. So I was going to have to make up the kind of material that does not come naturally to a liberal agnostic in seasonal drag. So uh, this was December of 2010 and the Republicans had just done very well in the midterm elections. So I picked a name at random and said, Christmas came early for you in the form of a GOP-dominated House of Representatives. The audience responded, much better than you just did. (laughs) They loved it. People were cheering. It was like no one even realized this wasn't a joke, just a straightforward retelling of current events. But unfortunately, I was also now out of material. So I decided to uh, close out my set by inviting the host to come on up and, and sit on my lap and then I would ask him what he wanted for Christmas and then promise that Santa would deliver. It's not comedy gold, but I figure, well, they can't hate me if I'm celebrating the host. And the host was shockingly comfortable coming up and sitting on my lap. So comfortable, in fact, that when I asked him what he wanted for Christmas, he snapped the mic from my hands and declared, all I want is a Republican president and an entirely Republican Congress. And the audience went apeshit. They were loving all of this. and, and, And without even thinking, I just said, well, I'll put in a good word with Santa Claus. And in a single sentence, I had betrayed my own personal political beliefs, Completely ignored the separation of church and state, while also somehow attributing greater political sway to Santa Claus than to Jesus. And things moved very quickly after that, and before I knew it, the whole crowd was enthusiastically engaged in a, a rallying cry for Republican domination. Two years earlier, when I volunteered for the Obama campaign... I never would have imagined that I would find myself in my girlfriend's hosiery with a man on my lap chanting for his downfall, and yet it was happening. It was like a standing ovation from hell. And so when it was over, I wished everyone a happy holiday, which was the most progressive thing I accomplished that whole night, and then headed out for the door. And I was overwhelmed by the feeling that I had just sacrificed all of my moral compass, all of my artistic integrity in favor of a paycheck that suddenly just didn't seem that big anymore. And I was almost to my car when I heard a voice calling after me. And I I turned around and there was a man from the party that was actually pursuing me. And I, I recognized him right away. He was the guy that hadn't seen Elf because it celebrated the wrong guy, evidently. And he came up to me and he held his hand out to hand me something and I just hoped it was a tip, maybe large enough to wash away some of this guilt, so I accepted it and I looked down hoping to see Ben Franklin, maybe Grant, I'll settle for Lincoln. But instead I came face to face with Jesus Christ. He had handed me a small prayer book with instructions on how I could save myself from eternal damnation. Somehow, during the course of that night, that man and I, who came from completely different paths, totally different worldviews, we'd managed to come to the exact same conclusion. I needed to be saved. Thank you.
0: Live for you on TV I they say they're better than you And you agree Says hold my calls from behind Those cold brick walls Says come here boys There ain't nothing for free Another doctor's bill Lawyer's bill Another cute cheap thrill You know you love them If you'll put them in your will But who will save your soul When it comes to the flowers now now who will save your soul After all the lies that you told, boy And who will save your soul If you won't save your own We try to hustle, try to bustle, try to them. The cops want someone to bust down on Orleans Avenue Another day, another dollar, another war, another tower Went up where the homeless had their homes so we pray to as many gods as there are flowers, we call religion on friend, so worried about saving our souls, afraid that God will take his toll, that we forget to begin, but, oh, save your soul in the palms the flowers now. Save your soul After all the lies you told oh, And who will save your souls if you won't Save your all but Some are walking, some are talking, some are stalking and killed Got social security but it doesn't pay your bills There are addictions to feed and there are mouths to pay So we bargain with the devil. So we be careful do what they say That you love them, take your money and run Say it's been swell, sweetheart, but it was just one of those things Those flames, those strings you gotta cut So get out on the streets, girls, and bust your butts And who will save your soul When you come to the flowers now Who will save your soul after all the lies that you told, boy. And who will save your souls if you won't save your own? You've been listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Jeremy Schaefer, and The First Time Four performed Who Will Save Your Soul by Jewel. The First Time Four is Steve Frisbee, Liam Davis, Gerald Dowd, and Scott Stevenson. To hear more first-time pieces, check out the series' website, firsttime.chirpradio.org. And you can find other podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org podcasts Chirp Radio. Here, what's next?